the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City has come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> What's different, Pastor Sean? I already I, I hear something there. Yeah, I'm coming down with a little something. You might as well take it for a spin. <laughs> if you're going to be sounding like a frog all day, you'll go for it, man. Can you say, this is CNN? This is CNN. <laughs> Wait, I got to get a little not. of his... Uh, this is CNN. That's the no. audible guy. That's <laughs> yeah, the audible. That's the audible. <laughs> this is audible. <laughs> a little different. Do you know I made sure we had that guy on our book, on I our audio book? That it was, was very important to me. Mission. It's very important for me to have that guy. Well, we, you're not listening to CNN. This is Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, Baron Wiley here. And uh, Sean, back in the saddle. And you first week back, and now you're Yeah, I got a little, yeah, a little something. I started pick, picking something up. Uh, Sunday morning, and literally by the time my meds wore out halfway through second service, yeah. I started just frogging in my throat and having to clear my throat. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm actually going to try to get out of here after we're done and go see a doctor and make sure it's not something more. Well, right now, ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you to pray for Pastor Sean. He Thank you. He's the gospel this Sunday yep. and uh, every week there. So renew the strength like the eagle. Amen. Let's go. Let's put on a good show today, Amen. Pastor Sean. Praise the Lord. Unlike Thanks, Baron. Unlike last week. Unlike last week. The usual dribble that we, we put out well, here. Well, we always like to talk about, you know, what's going on in the culture, and this week's no exception. If you're ready right. to just kind of dive right in. Sure. Uh, the headlines uh, here, I think the Southern Baptist Convention happened. Yep, it did. And always something drama comes out. Someone's leaving or some, something's going down. Well, this has been a big conversation for a while, but, yeah, in this last convention they had, uh, I believe it was officially designated that they uh, excommunicated Saddleback Church. They removed Saddleback Church as a Southern Baptist congregation. There was another one, Fern Creek Baptist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, another big one, I understand. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't familiar with that, but yes. Same I, thing. Yeah, and you know, Rick Warren, one of the most well-known pastors in the country, uh, has done some amazing work uh, as far as ministry to people with AIDS, mm-hmm. has done, you know, the purpose-driven church, influenced so many so pastors, many. just did a lot. 
just to advance helping pastors learn how to minister and serve the culture in the context of the church. I had no idea he was Southern Baptist. I thought he was Southern California. He, not- he was Southern California, <laughs> but yes, he's Southern Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what, what denomination is River City? River City is part of a group called the Missionary Church. It's a fellowship of churches that we fellowship with. A great group of folks. Uh, each congregation is an autonomous congregation, not unlike the Southern Baptists. They they do that, but the Southern Baptists remove Saddleback from affiliation. Yeah, that that doesn't sound good. I mean, well, it's it's not, but it was over the issue of uh, the role of women in ministry. Okay. Well, that's a huge, you know hot topic to talk about right. obviously a little controversial in some old school circles yep uh but it just seems like i, I don't know the culture is kind of creeping into the church and people are having to decide or draw lines in the sand on where they stand and then we have splits in the church. well you said a couple things that i think are significant you said uh, it's a big deal in old school churches let, let me let me uh That's change true. that and i would say churches that are serious about being about biblical fidelity, mm. okay? Because if you're a church that doesn't really, if you think the Bible is, if you don't think the Bible is God's word, given and spoken and given for us and relevant to us today, if you don't believe that, if you believe, no, no, it's man's discovery of God, and it's a helpful, it, it's a helpful text, but it's not binding on us, well, then this isn't a big deal. It wouldn't be an issue at all. But if, if you're biblically faithful, there are some scriptures that you have to deal with, and so it is a serious thing. Um, you, you talked about the concern for the culture creeping into church. That's a legitimate concern. Sure. Right? And, yeah. and any, again, biblically faithful, you know, Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christian fellowship is very much aware of how much the culture is pressing in. And I wouldn't say just on the church, but in every part of our lives. Mm. And the pressure that is felt. Pastors feel it. Churches feel it. And so people want to be sure in, again, biblically faithful churches, they want to be sure that we're not kind of just giving in to the culture or we're not accommodating the culture. Because that's one thing I think all of us who are who are Bible-believing, faithful to the Word of God, uh, we would agree on. That mm-hmm. That bottom line, though, the... The scripture should determine how we live and practice in the church, not the world. You know, it's the word, not the world. Why now, though, Pastor Sean? Because Rick Warren's wife has been in ministry right along with him this whole time, right there with him. Yeah, but I don't think Kay Warren is is really kind of operated in the same way that that Andy and Stacy would. You know, Rick and Rick and Kay, it wasn't quite the same. Andy and Stacy kind of are presented as co-pastors. She is a she is a teacher and so she teaches. And that's where in the Southern Baptist understanding of the scripture that stepped outside of their doctrinal distinctive. You got to understand the Southern Baptist they're an association of churches really. I mean they mm-hmm. they are a denomination but they don't have one central kind of leadership that is binding in all churches. They fellowship together. But lots of things are done in the local congregations. So there's a lot of variety in the local congregations. We're going to get deeper into this topic of women in ministry because it happens. Lori is a pastor here on on church with you as well. But again, I go back to why today. Why is this a big deal today? Well, Baron, I I think it's always been a big deal. It's been a Mm -hmm. big, it's publicized. It's yeah. blown up, but it's been a, it's been an underlying conversation, and even sadly a point of division in churches for many years. Now, I, I will say there is a biblical reason for this. There is a scriptural kind of conversation to be had that it, I don't think it's an easy conversation. It isn't a cut and dried. Oh, that's irrelevant. That's not for us. Or oh my gosh, this is it, and we must never 
we must always. Okay. I think it's a, it's a little more nuanced conversation. I will say one of the primary scriptures that people look at is first Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two, Paul is talking to the young pastor, Timothy. He's been talking in chapter one about false teachers. And he says, Hey, these false teachers try to put other things forward. It's about the gospel, man. It's all about the gospel. You know, false teachers have are about them. We're to be about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then in chapter two, he goes on and he starts dealing with some things that are out of order. He says, I want men everywhere to lift holy hands. You're like, well, that's no big deal. That's not something new. And then he says, without arguing or disputing. (laughs) Okay. So I guess praying with your hands up and while you're arguing and disputing, that is unusual. And so there's division in this church. He talks about the women. He says, I want them. They should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty, self-control, not braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly attire, but what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. And, And again, I don't think he's talking about, I don't think he's just dealing about immodesty. He's talking about an entire understanding of how women are to present themselves and what makes them distinctive, what makes them unique. And verse 11, he says this, he says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she'll be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And it's like, holy cow. That's a bomb. That is a bomb. If you take the word of God seriously. Mm -hmm. If you're like, well, it's just a cultural document that, you know, doesn't really it's not binding on us, then you're not going to worry about it. You just say, well, that's just culturally relevant. But if you believe the word of God to be what the word of God is, you, you have to deal with that. Can I go straight to you then, Pastor Sean, is how River City's dealing with this? Well, that's, that's a really important conversation because, you, one, you don't dismiss the scripture, mm-hmm. okay? So you take it seriously. It is the word of God, and it is for us, and we're supposed to learn what God wants to say through it. Now, you also have to understand one of the most important things when we look at scripture, is context. And I just even want to, before we go on, I, I want to say, if you're listening to this, this is a tough issue, and godly leaders and teachers and ministers have come to very different conclusions on what this scripture, what the best understanding of the scripture is. And so I honestly believe what I want us to understand, I want to begin and end this podcast with this understanding. When we approach the scripture, we do it with humility and we do it with grace. Okay, this is a pastor scripture where I have a particular view that I believe is, is for, to the best of my ability in my study of scripture uh, has been shaped by the mind and the heart of the Lord. There are brothers and sisters who I respect greatly and who love Jesus and who are brilliant in the word who disagree with me. And so that causes me, but that causes me to have some humility. These are, and these are people who are serious. These are people who believe in the authority of the word of God. So that causes me to have some humility and to also be willing to walk in grace. That being said, there are two main issues of context that you have to look at. The first is scriptural context. Is that scripture? And not just the immediate scripture, but you do want to look at what came right before it, what comes after it. You want to understand the context of the scripture, but also the whole scripture. And we talk about the whole counsel of God. What does the whole word of God teach on this? Is your understanding of that consistent with the rest of what God says in scripture? Mm -hmm. And if not, you could have a problem, okay? And the second context that we want to look at is historical context because you must ask the question, what would the people who he wrote to, what were they dealing with? What would they have understood him to be saying? Because that often can unlock all kinds of understanding when you know, oh, he's writing to people in a particular city, in a particular situation, and that affects how you see what he's saying. So in regards to the scriptural context, which for me is the most important, 
because I want it to be consistent in the word of God. We know there were some women leaders in the Old Testament. But what's even more compelling is in, in the New Testament. You remember after the day of Pentecost, mm-hmm. right? The Holy Spirit falls, tongues of fire, and people speaking in other tongues. The crowd hearing the gospel being spoken in their languages by a bunch of Galileans. Some people thought that this was crazy that these people are drunk. You know, remember Peter's sermon. He gets up and says, "No, no, no, that's not what's happening." He's saying these people aren't drunk. You know, it's morning. He says, "This is what the prophet Joel told us about," and that would have caught. This is Pentecost. These are a bunch of Jews from different cultures around the world coming to Jerusalem to celebrate. And he quotes from Joel, Acts 2, 17 and 18. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters, male servants and female servants. Mm-hmm. Now, prophecy means to speak God's word. Speak. It literally means to speak, declare what God is saying by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it talks about. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about women in the gathering praying and prophesying. Sons, daughters, male, female. The very dedication of Jesus. Mm-hmm. A prophetess named Anna comes up and prophesies over Jesus. What I love is that in the scripture, women were the first witnesses to the resurrection, yes. right? And some people have called them the apostles to the apostles because apostle technically means one who is sent. Mm-hmm. Jesus told them, go tell my disciples wow. what you've seen here, what, what's happened. And you just see multiple things. In Philippians 4, 2, 3, Paul says, I entreat Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And he said, that, listen, he says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who've labored side by side with me in the gospel. Not in the kitchen, yeah. in the gospel. Nice. They've labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. That church in Philippi was started in the home of a businesswoman named Lydia who led her whole family to Christ. You know, in Acts chapter 18, we see Aquila and Priscilla. Yeah, and the dynamic to, duo. Well, to, and together, <laughs> yes. they... They hear about Apollos, and he's powerful in the word, and he's preaching, and he, but he hadn't yet understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He knew the baptism of John. He didn't know the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So it says they mm-hmm. took him, and they corrected him and taught him the more full way. I understand. understand. They, were, they were fellow workers with Paul, too. Well, that, that's what he referred to them in the yeah. book of Romans. Yeah, I love it. So, I mean, one of the things that we don't, we don't sometimes recognize is that of all those people, Paul names names and leaders, and mm-hmm. he commends them, uh, 25% of them are women. Oh, I, wow. Most scholars on whichever side of this you, you, you are on agree that there were women deaconesses. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were leaders, they were ministers, servants in the context of the church. And so... Understand, at the time, culturally, inclusion of women is unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was. Less than 10% of women at, at that time were formally educated, had formal study. And so this is Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's in the church in Ephesus, and he's dealing with false teachers and new learners, women. Mm-hmm. They're new learners. True. Right? And he's te- they're teaching. And so you got to understand, in this historic and cultural context, the inclusion of women as learners was extraordinary, and let alone as prophetess, teachers, and deaconesses. So when in 2.11 he said, let a woman learn quietly with all submission, you're reminded that it's the radical part was the let a woman learn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, oh, wow. And when you think about that, you're reminded of Jesus with Mary of Bethany. 
and she's sitting at his feet. N.T. Wright says, you know, we sometimes picture her with, with dewy-eyed adoration. That's why she's sitting at his feet. No, she's sitting at his feet as, as someone sitting under the teaching of a rabbi. And when Martha came out and she's mad, she's mad because Mary is in the men's space. She is mad that he, she's not helping her in the kitchen. Right. But her brother Lazarus is sitting there too. She doesn't say a word to Lazarus. Right? Never caught that. She doesn't say anything to Lazarus. But, Lord, my sister should be helping me because she's sitting there at the feet of Jesus as a student learning. That's the men's spaces. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part and will not be taken from her. Those things say to me, Baron, here's, here's what they say to me. It says, I don't think Paul really was prohibiting women from teaching or from leading. Mm. Okay, so, but what was he saying in 1 Timothy 2? Because he was saying something. You can't just dismiss the passage. He was saying something. And I think that's where the second type of context comes in. All right, Pastor Sean, what is the second type of context? Well, what we're talking about is the historical context. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I asked the congregation, because I taught on this this last week, I asked them, uh, can you name the seven wonders of the ancient world? And if you're listening to this, can you name the seven wonders of the ancient world? Not the more recent, not the Taj Mahal or the Great Wall of China or the Colosseum, right? I just know the the Solomon's Garden there. The Hanging Gardens gardens uh, in Babylon. Babylon. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's the, the only one remaining is the Pyramid of Giza, mm-hmm. the Colossus of Rhodes, Pharaoh's Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, the Temple of Artemis, Statue of Zeus at Olympia, and the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Those are the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's the Temple of Artemis that I want to talk about because it's in Ephesus. Wow. And you have to understand, it was massive, mm-hmm. and it was world-renowned. The cult of Artemis was a widely in the Greek world was a huge religion. There were temples all over, but this one was one of the seven wonders of the world. Mm. So people came from all over the world to see this, to experience it. It was a feminist cult, priestesses, it's feminist centric, um, sexually driven festivals and practices. She is recognized. She's the twin sister of Apollo. Okay. And she is the firstborn. She's recognized by most as the firstborn. The Romans called her Diana. But it was a major influence in this major city. And Timothy is ministering in this city. And this, understand, we find from Acts 19, this is a source of great pride, devotion, and income for this city. Acts 19, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it's a ma- you, you can read it for yourself. Read verses 27 through 35 when a silversmith named Demetrius gets the craftsman again and says, we got a problem. This Christian faith is going to turn the tide against this faith of Artemis. And the way they talk about it, it causes a massive riot. So huge that they all go into this huge amphitheater. They have city officials are there trying to calm people down. And for two hours, they're, they're simply shouting out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. This was not a small thing. Mm-mm. This was a major influence in the city where Timothy was pastoring. And so there's a couple things that I think are really significant about the Artemis cult, what Paul might have been saying in First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, in First Timothy 2. First, she was a huntress. She was also celibate. What was unique is she was this huntress. She was seen with a bow, and she was celibate. Mm-hmm. And many of her priestesses were celibate, many of the people who followed. In fact, in First Timothy 4, Paul has to warn against those who forbid, the false teachers who forbid people to marry. Mm. She was considered the firstborn twin which kind of placed her over Apollo. This was a somewhat of a feminist dominant uh, religion and women were over men because Artemis was the first born. That's significant. Mm-hmm. Think about what we're talking about. Also, and maybe the biggest clue for me that Paul might've been referencing some of these uh, ideas behind this cult. She was the protector of women in childbirth. 
She was the protector of women in childbirth. That was one of the things as a goddess she was known or she was fabled. The myth said that she did. Now, as we do that, understand this massively influenced religion, this wonder of the world that people came from all over. Let's relook at 1 Timothy 2, 12 through 15. Okay. Paul says, I don't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet. Do you think they had a problem with uh, overly uh, feminist influences? For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Wait a minute. So what he's saying is, yeah, in the real creation, God created Adam first, not Eve. There's an order. It's not that Artemis was born first, then Apollo. It's Adam was formed first, then Eve. And, and he goes on and says, Eve was deceived, became a transgressor, yet she'll be saved. And this is one of the most puzzling verses in the scripture. Commentators are all over the place on what he meant. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. It's like saved in childbirth. Some commentators go, well, maybe they're referencing the curse. Maybe they're talking about Christ. When Christ is born, women will be, you know, redeemed. Or he's saying she will be saved through childbearing, but not by Artemis. Yeah. (laughs) But through faith and love and holiness in the Lord. I'm I'm hearing the truth come out. Well, that's that's what it feels like. And again, Baron, understand, and this is such an important principle. If you're listening and you're kind of have maybe you're mind blown or you're rejecting whatever, just understand the scripture is inspired and is sacred. Mm-hmm. Your interpretation or my interpretation are not. Mm. So we're trying to come to an understanding based on this whole of scripture that seems to allow women to lead and teach and women to be involved in ministry. We're trying to understand what it, if that wasn't what Paul's saying, what else could he have been saying? And when you understand that this is in Ephesus and this cult of Artemis is so pervasive in the whole culture, and again, go back to Acts 19 and look at the riots over it, it's like, oh, he could very well have been just speaking to that cultural issue. Mm. It's like, imagine from our culture, Baron, 2,000 years from now, someone reads a religious writing that they find, ancient antiquity from from 2023, right? And, And they read this line, see the line in the sand and choose your place. Persevere to the very end, for we will prevail as San Jacinto is coming. It, you know, in the way we th- think about religion, in, you picture, okay, 2,000 years from now, there's going to be lying in the sand community church. Yeah. There's going to be people praying to St. Jacinto. <laughs> it, and, well, true. Yeah. But, but if you study the context, you're going to be, oh, lying in the minute. sand. It's, it, it was written to San Antonio. It's, it's, it's regarding the Alamo. Yeah. That's William Travis, the line in the sand. Oh, and San Jacinto. Yes, you might lose this battle, but the war is going to be won. Sam Houston and the battle Context. of San Jacinto. Context matters. Mm-hmm. It matters. And I think it's important. One final thing I just want to say. I, I, I think it matters that Paul says, I do not allow. He doesn't say the Lord does not allow. He does not say you must never allow. So let me just say at River City, we don't believe that this passage negates all of the, the other New Testament teaching on women teachers and leaders. Paul is saying something, mm-hmm. okay, so we must understand, but we're trying to see what it is. We believe based on the whole context of the New Testament, God allowed women to teach. God allowed women to give leadership. But again, it was very rare because so many women, it was a very patriarchal cultures that they're talking about, mm-hmm. okay? What's interesting is as we think about this and as you think about people, even no matter where you fall on this particular issue, okay, as divisive as this issue's been, all faithful expositors agree on one thing. We agree with a big point that Paul is making, and that's very simply the practice of the church must be determined by the word, not the world. Mm. What, however you look at this, 
you know, if you're saying Paul's talking to the world of that day or even the world of today, the practice of the church must be determined by the word, not the world. And so I, I just feel like we need to have some humility and grace as we deal with this issue. It is a tough issue because of that passage of Scripture. It is difficult. Right. But I just think as we faithfully seek the Lord and as we listen for his voice and as we respond to each other with humility and grace, we find I don't think it has to be a divisive issue. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll close with this. Mm-hmm. If you're in a church or maybe you're dealing with someone in a church and you know it's like, I'm, I'm in this church, but the pastor thinks differently than I do about this. You have a choice to make. Right. Or the pastor and the elders think differently about this than I do. You have a choice to make. And I think there's only two honorable, biblical, forthright responses. The first is to just say, you know what, I'm called to be part of this church, and I'm going to walk in humility before the word, and I'm going to give grace. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you have to agree, but you're not going to be divisive. Okay, I'm going to walk in humility and grace, and I'm just going to walk in in kind of the flow of the church family that God's planted me in. Yeah. Okay? And just open myself, Lord, teach me and show me what you want me to see. The second response is to go to your leadership and say, I'm sorry, I love you guys, but I feel differently. I feel like I'm supposed to walk differently. And then go find a church that believes the way you do. Give everybody hugs, shake hands, don't let it be divisive, and then go find a fellowship that does practice the way you believe. But don't sit in the church and be divisive. Don't make it a point of argumentation or a point of conflict because I don't think that honors the Lord. That's awesome. Bottom line, too, is study the word. You did your research. I appreciate yep. that, Sean. But you got to be in the word. You got to yep. know it. And knowing the history of it, too, context is yep. what we're talking about. And remember, it was scriptural context first. Uh huh. One of the most revealing parts of this whole thing to me was not my exterior study on the Artemis cult. Mm-hmm. It was Acts 19. True. <laughs> it's all right there. Paul, plant, the church he's writing to in Ephesus, Paul was the one who started that. He planted wow. that church. Right. And so he dealt with this Artemis cult. You know, in Acts 19, Paul wasn't actually there. He wanted to go into that theater, Mm. and it says they wouldn't let him. Mm. I think they were terrified he was going to be torn apart. Yeah. So they wouldn't even let Paul go in. But it just lets you know how big a deal this cult was. Big time. Yep. Uh, Are you going to reach out now to Saddleback and see if they want to join you? I I do. Uh, My my new (laughs) denomination. (laughs) Exactly. Again, Pastor Sean, thank you for doing the, the legwork for us. And uh, and share again this podcast with someone that maybe you've had this conversation. Go listen to this. Here it is for you. Reachingforreallife.org. Yeah. And just remember, before when it comes to the word, humility and grace. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, just pray the Lord bless you and that you have an amazing day. It's full of the Lord's presence and just following Jesus and everything that you do. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.